0: Okay we are now live this is brother Madiba from South Africa and as promised we invited pastor George Martin to come on to this session we are going to have one on one with pastor George Martin just to get his insights as an elder he has been around uh is a man of experience a man of impeccable track records fought so many battles he is our elder in south africa as much as an elder around the world but i think south africa we can proudly say is one of sa's best export ministry wise and we appreciate him uh, for coming on board good evening pastor george martin
1: good evening brother madiba i'm honored to hear those words coming from you
0: thank you so much for coming on board uh, pastor george martin now it is going to be an interactive session the main objective of this is to tap into your experience the main objective of this session is to create a comfort level that we have veterans that have fought these battles and they have overcome the battles to encourage young ones that are coming after you. Now, as a start, where was Pastor George Martin born?
1: Brother Madiba, my intention is also to give all honor and glory to our Lord Jesus Christ via this interview. I was born in Pretoria, the capital city of South Africa, on the 2nd of august 1952
0: over wonderful you said it was in 1952 correct Um, i'm trying to run my math in terms of finding out how old you are this year
1: i'm Uh, 67 going for 68.
0: wonderful wonderful now when Pastor George Martin was 18 growing up in Pretoria what were his ambitions this I'm speaking prior to his conversion I'm speaking to prior to his calling to the ministry we just want to tap into what were what what were what was what were the ambitions looking like for the young George Martin
1: Well, we are going BC, which would mean, before Christ. (laughs) So, in my BC years, I did try a little bit of music and I almost made it to become one of South Africa's recording artists in the realm of Richard John Smith and Lionel Peterson and Harvey Hopkins. But that was before the Lord found me. But on the one side, I was preparing to go to university, went with Durban, South Africa, to study medicine. Over,
0: okay. So you you wanted to be a doctor. What what was motivating yeah. you to have that aspiration to become a doctor? If I may follow up on that question.
1: It is because I grew up very poor in the area known as Mamelodi, There were times that I saw my neighbours go without medication for days, some of them died young. And as a young man who was among them, I thought perhaps if I can become a medical doctor, I can benefit my immediate surroundings. Over.
0: Wonderful. Now, in terms of your encounter with the message when did you come across the message of malachi 4 and prior to that maybe, maybe if you can give me a perspective in terms of were you were you associated to any church prior to your encounter with the message and when was that encounter
1: i had no prior connections to church my mother did she was a very devoted methodist but All I did was to sing choruses with her at home a little unwilling as a young man who wanted to go out and play soccer and shoot marbles. But it was in 1973, very early in the year, that when I was planning to go study medicine, I was waiting for the bursary company to reply whether they would sponsor me or not. While waiting, my brother, who worked for the company Siemens, said, hmm. why don't you come, apply, work for one month, save the money, and then when Varsity or the bursary people confirm, by the time you go to Durban, you'll have one month salary in your pocket. Little hmm. did I know hmm. that in that one month of working for Siemens, I would meet up with a young man who was himself six months in the message already and this young man was on fire for the message and Mm. I do remember he had to show me the electrical circuits because Mm. some of you may not know that I've also studied to be a telephone, uh, you could call it a mechanic back then. So Mm. I looked like a pop star at that time, did not know anything of the Bible had my Hmm. Afro hair, my sideburns like Elvis Presley, Tom Jones, Uh, I was wearing my tight fitting clothes and chains all over my neck and rings almost on every finger. And this young man just gave me one look on the first day and said, you are going to go to hell if you die looking like that.
0: My goodness.
1: This shocked me deeply and while Hmm. I reeled to, catch my breath he then said do you know that god sent a prophet Mm. what did i know i said prophet i thought he was talking about these that we have all around us and i said Mm. well we have plenty of those he says oh Mm. no i'm talking of a dispensational prophet i said i've never heard of him he said would Mm. you like to hear him Mm. i said where is he from when he mentioned Mm. america Well, as a young man, we loved everything that was American. So I Hmm. thought I was going to meet the man in person. So I said, yes, I'd like to to hear him. And then Hmm. uh, that very afternoon after work, he said, you come with me. We went to his mom's place. And Back then it was the time of reel-to-reel tapes. I didn't know what Hmm. that was, but I had seen it in the movies anyway. So mm-hmm. he slotted one and it was the seed is not air with a shut. Believe mm-hmm. me, middle of that sermon, I was sitting on the edge of my seat and mm-hmm. I was saying, Yeah, instead of amen, you know, like here, yeah, I'm the American. And so yeah. he, he, he hit me on the head. He says, We don't say yeah here, we say amen. That was the first time I heard that you can say amen to a sermon. By the end of that sermon, the seed is not there with a the shock. I didn't understand a lot, but I came out knowing I am not a barnyard chicken, but an eagle. Then the next day, very quickly, he saw that I was a, a biting fish. So the next day he said, would you like to hear him again? I said, of course. And he played me recognizing your day and message. That was okay. over with me, with those two tapes nobody talked me into the message so nobody can talk me out
0: wonderful wonderful. and and i'm just trying to tap onto what i can call your eureka moment that aha moment what made you to believe that the message is distinct from what the denominations were offering then
1: yes a good question my dear brother it is when at the end of the one of the two tapes The Holy Spirit took Brother Benjamin to discernment. That did it for me because I had never heard of a man who would tell people their names and their addresses and what they were suffering from. I had never heard a man in my day say, Thus said the Lord. That was my Eureka moment. I believed from then, from the start, and I still do, do believe up to this day.
0: Wonderful. Now what I want to know now then then it was your conversion. Then it progressed where at some point in time as a young man you had to get married. What year did you get married to Sister Portia?
1: Oh, I remember that distinctly. It was on the eighteenth of March nineteen seventy-four. Be- I mean, yes, back Be- then I didn't know that in Hebrew eighteen is life and 28 is the time of life. So I've always remembered the 18th of March, 1974, Hmm. one year after the message found me. Wonderful,
0: wonderful. And then, I, I think a lot of... And now, you say, how long have you been married, in years?
1: Well, from 74 to 2020, we've been married, happily married, for 46 years.
0: Let me just say one thing that is quite apparent for those that know you. Your love, your love, your love for Sister Portia is unquestionable. What attracted you to Sister Portia?
1: True indeed. I love her like I loved her from the day I married her. Well, the answer to that is Kinsman Redeemer, paragraph 47, when the prophet says, When a man loves a woman, and does not know why, he says, if it's for beauty, that will pass. But if he loves her and he doesn't know why she loves him and she doesn't know why, he says, it's because we come from eternity and we came into a body called time. So for me, whenever I see my wife 46 years later, it's like I see her the first time when she was 15 and I married her when she turned 16 over
0: okay now what, what what do we want to know from you quite a lot of i mean in, in your generation considered the divorce to be a taboo it was something yeah. unheard of but mm-hmm. now it seems like even within the message ranks we are beginning to see divorces that are coming up what what marital tips can you give to the young people i mean we've got the benefit of your experience and I would encourage them, rather than them to consult True Love magazines and as well as Google, we've got people that have been there and done it. What marital tips can you give to young people so that they can be into it for a long haul?
1: Well, since you've given me 24 questions, just this one alone needs one hour or two But with the 24 questions you've given me, pray for me that I have the the wisdom of the 24 elders. However, to answer that question in English, if you write down the word divorce, the middle letter is zero. It's D-I-V, then zero, then R-C-E. So if the middle letter is a zero, I've often said, adopt zero tolerance toward divorce because God hates it in Malachi 3 verse 16. So why should we love divorce when God hates it? My advice is hate divorce like God does, over.
0: Now I'm, I'm moving from your marriage, your marital life. Now I'm migrating to the ministry. Yes. What, year, what, what year did you heed a call to enter the ministry?
1: Well, a very good question, my dear brother Majiba. Uh, with me, I must say that coming into the ministry was almost immediately. I got hmm. married in 1974. Toward the end of 1974, the need had arisen so much that somebody, married according to scripture, had to stand and say something to the little group where we gathered. And I sat at the back thinking that some two or three brothers had come into the message earlier than me. And I thought the slot would fall on them. To my surprise, everybody would point and say, you should be the one to say something. So, it is the need that thrust me into the deep end. Believe me, I've tried to run away many, 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 many times. But for me, it was immediate. But I didn't know that I was called. I just thought, I would stand up there and share a scripture or a quote. And it evolved from there. Over.
0: Now, we we live during a time where it would seem we've got people that are genuinely called into the ministry and we've got people that think that they are being called into the ministry whereas they are not being called into the ministry in your case what made you to believe that it was a clear-cut decision from god for you to enter the ministry
1: when i read matthew 19, verse 12, I came across Jesus categorizing three types of eunuchs. He said, Man-made eunuchs, Self-made eunuchs, and God-made eunuchs. So, immediately I understood that there are those who make themselves and there are those who are made by others, But I've always prayed, Oh God, let me be the one that is made by God. And how did I begin to know whether it was true or not? Number one, I observed the response of the people every time I spoke. Then I also observed the response of true ministers older than me in the faith, and then Of course, there have been many great men in my life, in the early days, who influenced me one way or the other. And, Mm -hmm. uh, well, I also consulted with, you know, as the scripture says, do not remove the ancient landmarks. And Mm -hmm. I would consult with older men. And above all, I would wait for that inner witness. The most Mm -hmm. important was, not what the people say, that's good. Not what the other ministers say, that's good. But then eventually, what does God say? What helped me was the example Brother Brennan gave of the man who played a, a piece in an orchestra and at the end of playing, there was a round of applause. But the young man seemingly almost did not recognize, fully recognized. The applause of the audience. He kept looking up, because some somewhere in the audience there was his teacher, and that mm. taught me that I should rather get my backup from the Lord Jesus Christ, one way or the other. Over
0: forty-six years later in the ministry, uh, what three words can you use to describe Pastor George Martin's words in the ministry?
1: well I tell you what I probably would say failure 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 except the Lord Jesus Christ steps in without him I am nothing Hmm.
0: now and this one I'm gonna give you a background of what went through my mind when I conceptualized this question I remember many years, some time back. I think I must have been around 20. I was in the assembly in your church, and you were ministering that evening. And you said, "Wait," a, a phrase that stuck with me over the years. But the first time I heard that phrase, I became very cynical. And you and I have discussed about it. I remember you saying, "If you want to get," into the ministry and wants to be a pastor you do not know what you are getting yourself into i remember sitting in the audience looking at brother george martin i said come on brother george you are traveling around the world preaching look at how big this church is there is surely there is just goodness and goodness it is only later when i became a pastor that it dawned on me what you meant what advice would you have For young men such as myself then and now, what advice would you have if they aspire to get into the ministry?
1: Yes, I would say rather be like David. David was not looking for the throne. David was rather a sandwich boy, and his intention was to do the little bit he could do for his brethren who were in the army, But little did he know that God was planning for him to kill uh, Goliath and by so doing, gain recognition and therefore the sandwich boy who then became King of Israel. And indeed, you know what? Any young, young man who wants to focus on the ministry, my advice is, focus first on the Lord Jesus. Spend your time with the Bible and with those states don't you aspire to be anything let god do the inspiration for you to be anything over
0: now uh, you'll bear with me here i just want to make a follow-up on that i'm not gonna go off script now what i need to know was there ever a time where a young man came to you as an elder and say i am called for the ministry and you in your hearts of hearts knew that the young man was not called for the ministry how did you handle such awkward situations
1: i have had many in the last 46 years who thought they were called but you know the greatest problem or biggest problem any minister can have is to deal with somebody who thinks they are called when they are not called. So I adopted an attitude of wisdom where I would throw them into the deep end because they don't know what it is to be a minister. They don't know that you start as a sandwich boy and uh, you kill a few Philistines and take their foreskins long before you take the throne. So, if I knew and I was convinced that the young man was not called, I would say, all right, I'll give you this Sunday morning and I'll sit at the back and I will play the critic. Many of them, many of them never made it to the pulpit because any man in his heart will know whether they have it or they don't have it. So, I would give them the opportunity to say, go ahead and prove yourself, as paul said to timothy prove your ministry i never stopped them but many of them fell by the wayside but a few have made it and i've ordained a few and their pastors on their own churches now
0: wonderful Over. now what what i want to know pastor george martin your ministry you you are a teacher that is very very clearing. whenever you speak in front of the people the teaching ministry becomes very glaring. i affectionately call you god's macroscope when it comes to looking for those hidden golden nuggets in the message of the hour now what i want to know from you how can one know where they fit in in the fivefold ministry The, the reason i'm asking that the reason i'm asking that maybe just to clarify there's been instances where you find you've got a somebody that is a, an effective evangelist, but does not pursue that line of ministry and instead would want to be a pastor. Hence, I'm saying, how can one have a clarity of thought that, yes, I'm called, but within the fivefold ministry, this is my role?
1: Very good question indeed. Even when I began to minister, Mm. I did not see the qualities of, as you have said, teaching. I Mm. also used to just preach and, uh, well, we thought back then that if you sway and flail your hands and run up and down the platform and, uh, you know, have spittle flying everywhere, you are called. But later we began to realise that it is not, Uh, ability, because many have natural abilities. They are very eloquent, they are sophists. They can really handle the crowd. But later we learned that it's not ability, but availability. When God uh, spoke to Isaiah, He didn't say, "Uh, Isaiah, are you able? No. Isaiah, He said, who can go for us? And Isaiah merely replied, send me, I'm available. So you see, God is not looking for ability, He's looking for availability. The ability will follow availability. First, we yield ourselves and as time goes, you will find your slot. Whether you're a pastor, your teacher, your evangelist, your prophet, etc., etc., it does not show immediately. It comes with time. It's almost like when diamond cuts into diamond, it takes some time before the groove is established. And then a man knows, I'm a pastor, I'm not a pastor, I'm an evangelist, I'm not an evangelist. I, I lean toward teaching or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That takes time. But I must say that only the inner witness, the Holy Spirit will confirm to a man, what his ministry is, because a man can fool and fool and fool everyone around them. But when you take off your shoes at night, you cannot fool yourself. So to pretend Mm. to be this or to pretend to be that will soon come to an end. But if you are truly called, God will establish you. Mm. Because the Bible says a man's gift will make room for him and a man's gift will bring him before great men
0: now 46 years later pastor george if we if we become realistic there has been a proliferation of doctrines that were not in line with the objective of malachi 4. now how did you manage over 46 year period to keep balance
1: Yes, a very good question, indeed. Uh, I do have a nickname in case you have not heard of it. Uh, they call me Mr. Balance. It mm. is true, I have come to realize that what is lacking in message realms, uh, is proper balance. And I do remember the words of our brother Perry Green, uh, one day speaking, I was in Tucson, spoke in his church, we had a little fellowship, and he said something that's never left me. And he said, one day Brother Benham told him, Brother Perry, whatever comes, whatever goes, never lose your balance in the Scriptures. So since then, I've realized that any man can take any quote and run with it. But any quote that has not balanced with the Scriptures and the Scriptures balance with the quote, that's where men go off a limb. So the other words that blessed me was when the prophet says, give me a man who is right in his heart. He may be a little wrong in his doctrine, but when he's right in his heart, he's much easier to work with than the one who thinks he's right in his doctrine, but he's wrong in his heart. So the great problem today is many a man are not right in their hearts.
0: Hmm. Now, i'm still gonna i just want to double click on that 40 46 years later in the ministry there is something that i call a 40-year period in the ministry syndrome where once people go beyond the 40-year period in the ministry some aspire to be eighth messengers and (laughs) truth be told Truth be told, I've known you for quite a number of years. I have never detected in any way any aspiration to be higher than the prophet messenger. How did you manage to overcome that pandemic within message ranks?
1: Yeah, I'll call it that coronavirus in the message. (laughs) Well, that's a question well put, my brother. Humility, just one word. Humility. I've always believed that nobody can substitute, Brother Branham, nor him, And I've always kept that before me to say, if one looks at young men like Joshua, if you look at young men like Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, when Eliezer came to Leban, the origin for Lebanon today. Laban, Liban, Lebanon. He always said, my master Abraham, my master Abraham. So when I saw men who succeeded in the scriptures, always respected those who were above him, I adopted that attitude. And that's why I have never aspired to be anything but just the son of God doing his best for those members of the bride that I can reach. God bless you
0: and then over the years how how can one identify a wrong doctrine yes i know you've got to give it a weight test yeah. but i i don't want to be very superficial about it what 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 mechanism did you engage to identify an ism when it emerged within the message ranks over a 46 year period
1: Very good question. I must say, it's, it's not easy when a Doctrine begins because every Doctrine, Brother Benham says, begins with 90, what, 98% Truth. So Mm. I've since learned that you watch a thing, you appreciate the Truth it has, but you don't fully commit. Because with time, if there is a percentage of error, it begins to veer off the path. So, to me, time was the element. Wait, wait, and wait, and wait. And then, by the time you've waited enough, God has begun to give telltale signs of any doctrine. But to continue to answer, whenever anything comes up and it breaks fellowship among brethren, it violates Hebrews 13.1. Brother Benham says, there's your number one sign that some spirit has entered into that movement. When they begin to say, now don't fellowship with those or Don't... I know you have to. But, you know, when it is taught as a doctrine that only we in this church have it, the rest of you, you are ants and we are elephants. You know, we were told ants and some people were elephants. And then they start shutting down fellowship. Brother Benham taught me. That's the number one telltale signs that if you break Hebrews one that says, let brotherly love continue, that cannot be the spirit of Christ. But of course, with time you hear, you listen to the prophet, you read your Bible, you are able to pick up an error. But it's not as easy as said. Time tells
0: over now now just uh, i'm i'm just gonna veer off the script the just something here i remember when i got there was a time when you were in visaki i just want you to give me how the church moved from one locality to the next locality until it ended up in willows
1: very good question my brother We also started in classrooms, moved on to city halls or town halls. And uh, one day, I was sitting in my house, a very nice house out in the Reeds Centurion area. And uh, I had gotten tired of having to move the church every month because some areas you could only rent for 30 days or 60 days. And I won't go into all the other problems and hindrances of not having your own place of fellowship. But then I was sitting in my house, comfortable house, and it was like a little small voice quoted to me the words of David, I live in a house of cedar, but the house or the ark of the Lord has no place. I then sold my house. God bless the kind of wife I had. We sold our house. We had nowhere to go. We rented a two and a half flat, meaning bedroom for me, a bedroom for our son and daughter that were very little at the time. And the half was like a kitchenette. And then we took the entire price of the money and we bought the land that you now know today. We paid for the land cash, and we worked so well with the money that we had loaned as well, that I poured so much into the foundation of the building of the church. When the people saw that commitment, Hmm. then they dug deep into their pockets. And today we have a building we don't owe the bank or anybody. We just pay our water lights and land taxes. But when people see commitment and sacrifice from the leader, they follow. You see people, uh, sheep in, in any country in the world, the shepherd walks behind them and herds them. But sheep, only in Israel, the shepherd goes before and they follow. That's why the Lord Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They follow me. That doesn't happen anywhere else, only in the land of Israel. Therefore, true sheep will recognize a true leader and they will follow good examples. Joshua was not the kind of leader that said, Attack. Joshua was the kind that said, Follow me.
0: Now, awesome, awesome insights, Pastor Judge Martin. I'm excited and I'm leaning so much from what you are sharing here and much appreciated. Now, Forty-six years later, and I would—I want to put a context to my question. There was once a question that was posed to an elderly pastor, who was in his senior years, and he was asked a question: "What would you have done differently?" Then he, he said, in his own space, using his own experience, he said, "I gave up on people too quickly." Now, I believe it is a norm, everyone, when you come towards the end of your road. In retrospect, there are certain things that you feel you could have done differently. Is there anything in the space of Pastor Judge Martin where he feels, here, I could have done things differently?
1: Yes, there are two of them, and I will mention the first one. The first one is similar to Brother Benham's words in 1959 New Ministry. Where he says, I regret that in the past, I did not spend the 20 years of my first life serving him. It is Mm. so precise with me. It doesn't make me anything better. But Mm. I found this message at 20 and I married at age 21. When I look back, the first 20 years of my life, I regret that I wasted them. Number two. There are some characters with whom I brushed shoulders in the past. If I could wind back the time, I would bypass these characters. And the reason being that in Revelation 7, Dan and Ephraim, their names are not called by Moses and Elijah. And the simple answer is a glaring one, they went into idolatry. If I could wind back the time, I would choose my contacts, my friends, a little better than I have done before. Over.
0: <laughs> oh, 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 awesome! I, I, I'm I'm glad. Many years later, you and I are still speaking. Meaning, I'm I'm not the one that needs to be bypassed.
1: <laughs> no, no, you're not the one. No.
0: <laughs> now, Pastor George Martin we have seen ministers rise in the message ranks and we have seen ministers fall that is the reality of the matter here we are paying tribute to you 46 years later still standing with an impeccable ministry in the lord my question to you would be what pitfalls should young ministers be conscious of the in the ministry
1: you very well know that brother benham gave us three Mm. very important beacons Mm. he said money women and popularity money we Mm. all need to survive but there is a limit Mm. women stick to your one wife Mm. popularity we must be very careful There's a great difference between famous and popular. The Mm. Bible says Jesus grew in stature and fame. Mm. That is when your deeds go ahead of you. But popularity Mm. is when man puts his foot into it and tries to outsmart the other ministers. Those three things avoid money, women, Popularity, and we mean money in excess of what you just need. We meant stick to your wife. Popularity, don't you go for it, but if God makes you famous because you stick to the word, God bless you. But my parting word on this subject will be, your greatest enemy is not the minister in the other pulpit. Mm. Brother Benham said, your greatest enemy is yourself against yourself if you can be well that as a young minister you'll never have jealousy against another brother because you'll be guarding your own self because the greatest enemy of george martin is george martin
0: now you are getting me excited because you are bringing a distinction between being famous and being popular now Correct. And and one minister, if I recall, put it, it very well and said, when you look at Paul, Paul was not referred to as Apostle Paul. It was Paul, the Apostle of Jesus Christ. Somebody said, a title should follow you. You must not go after the title.
1: Very wise. Very wise. I agree with that.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Now, young pastor George I mean I grew up I grew up in a generation when we were still young we never had access to the Internet we never had access to social media and truth be told a lot of young people in the message ranks have fallen prey to the influence of social media quite a lot of them they no longer use the message as a standard where they can measure up their life they are using social media which i would classify it as the tree of knowledge what advice do you have for young people that have got access to the internet because we have seen many of them being destroyed by the internet it can be an enabler but it can be uh destructive and we have seen some destruction in certain spaces what advice do you have for young people in relation to the explosion of the information age
1: correct my brother i've had a few in my church who instead of being enabled they were disabled by social media well first Hmm. timothy 2 and 23 i would say to them First Timothy 2.23 says, avoid, and I'm going to say it again, avoid, and again it uses the word avoid. And then later on it tells you what these things lead up to, as though Paul was looking into 2020, he says they do gender strike. But then when you look at First Peter 3.15, we are told that we should be able to answer, those who come against what we believe, those who attack the hope that is set before us. So you've just said it a while ago that it social media could be used for the right thing, but unfortunately it is being used for the wrong thing. So I would say if any young man picks up any dirt, I call it dirt, on social media, bring mm. it straight to the pastor because. Matters of the pulpit should be left to pulpiteers. Mm. Mm. Matters of the pulpit should not be sent from one member to another in the church. Bring it to the pulpiteer, the pastor who stands in the pulpit. If he's a man of God, he is equipped with those two coins and he will be able to take care of the sheep. I'm quoting Jezebel Religion, Old Book, page four. Over
0: now, Brother Branham. There is a quotation where he says, Many are frustrations in a leader's heart, and I think hence leaders develop gray hairs quicker than anybody else. There is a proverb that says, The tallest tree catches the most wind. Now, what I want to find out. What keeps Pastor George Martin awake at night when he looks at the message landscape or the message community? What keeps him awake at night?
1: Question received. Just like you've said, I want to add another English proverb that says, uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. I always put it this way to the church. Brother Benham says there are three levels to every church. You have your normal level believer. Then he says you have another one a little higher in the level of revelation. And then Brother Benham uh, moved in the level of vision. So I always say you that are sitting out there in the audience, you don't know what contrary winds are blowing where the minister stands and Brother Benham speaks about Elijah and the Juniper tree, and I always say, yes, but you don't know, we are under the Juniper forest. So, what makes me, or gives me sleepless nights lately is, you know the scripture that says in First Timothy 4:1, in the last days, many shall depart from the faith, not a faith, the faith, and Mm. the faith can only be this message of the hour in its true text and context. What Mm. gives me sleepless nights is, now when we hear that minister has denounced the message, or that minister has denounced the message, and to see the sheep being scattered and confused, that worries me, that keeps me, Sleepless. And it is my prayer that we, a few of us, who are holding on to truth, not to be quiet because error runs fast where good men sit and do nothing. Mm. Over.
0: Mm. Now, Pastor George Martin, when it comes to Israel, And the setup in Israel and some of the Jewish cultural nuances. Brother Brother George Martin, he is the go-to person when it comes to Israel. He he knows his way around Israel. What 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 attracted you? What made you to have a keen interest in Israel? I know that you twice a year visit the land of Israel. What triggered that interest?
1: Well, it started with my young son, when he was going through his teenage years, all children do and go through those stages, Brother Benham says, my wife and I didn't know what to do, where to send him to. So, it dawned on us that there was a society in Johannesburg run by Jews and they would take any young boy or any young girl from a certain age to take them to Israel to work to the Kibbutz or Kibbutzim. The Kibbutz or Kibbutzim are what you read about in the Book of Acts where the Bible says, and they had all things in common, community, Mm. Kibbutz, Mm. Kibbutzim. We applied and they said, we'll take him. And what they do is they teach them discipline. They, Mm. it's almost like army, but actually they work on the fields. Mm. It is when my son was in his seventh month in the land of Israel, he called me, he said, Daddy, I have mastered a few sentences in Hebrew. I can communicate on a daily basis with them. And he said these words, Daddy, if you want your Bible knowledge to multiply without having to go to a school of theology, I would advise you, visit the land of Israel, there's a lot to pick up. It is when I then went to search as to what Brother Bannon says, and I found these quotes. If you ever visit the land, the Bible land, he says, the Bible becomes a new book to you. I took him up on the challenge, but I didn't have the money to go. And a brother from Germany sponsored me. I didn't say a word, I was like any other person following the guide. Then there was a brother from Namibia. He sponsored me the next year and I am like a sponge. I listen and I pick up a lot without saying a word and I was sponsored again the third time. But it is during the third time when the first brother from Germany sponsored me that somebody in his church died. So he had to leave the tour in my hands and Mm. I am such a greenhorn at the time. But Mm. believe me, the Bible has become a new book to me. And if I don't sound like boasting, last year I was awarded a certificate from the Ministry of Tourism in Israel. Mm. And there's a picture of my wife and I uh, Mm. being given the honorary Tourism Ambassador to the Land of Israel. Mm. Yes, it is true. I love the Land of Israel, but I love the scriptures. And there are videos to prove it. And there are also magazines to prove it. After every trip, we have done it over 35 times to the honor and glory of God. Yes, it is true that Mr. Yariv Levin. The Minister of Tourism honoured me in a special way last year. But I have to say this very humbly. Mm. The command of Scripture, after you visit the land of Israel, fulfils exactly the words of our beloved Prophet, this book has become new. And in my ministry, our church testifies that the Scriptures, both old and new, plus the quotes, have taken a deeper meaning, over.
0: Now, I I would imagine that uh, this year, you don't have clear plans in terms of when are you visiting because of this corona outbreak. But normally, which months do you normally target to visit the land of Israel?
1: Very good question. We had a trip planned, we always prefer October. Mm. October is just before the former rains. October is perfect weather, plus it's between the feasts, you know, trumpets and tabernacles and uh, etc, etc. Let's say trumpets, atonement, tabernacles and Holy Convocation. So we catch it at the time when the season is open, meaning Mm. the hotels and flights are cheaper and the weather is agreeable yes we had scheduled one for this year but we have put it on hold because of the corona threat
0: and then what aspects of the message of the hour came alive after you have visited the land of israel
1: hundreds and hundreds of them but i'll give you one that comes to mind when we descend into the area of the dead sea which Genesis 14 calls the Valley of Tzidim. Tzidim is Hebrew for Salt Sea, hence the root word for Sodom in English. Hmm. Well, in the early days, some 15 years ago, you would descend into the valley and then go to the Dead Sea and float. There was hardly anything around happening, maybe one hotel there, another one over there. Then I remember reading a quotation 15 years ago, where Brother Benham predicted in the 50's and said, one day, they will discover that under the Dead Sea there lays minerals, which all the world's wealth cannot match. And I read that quote, and the Jewish guide, I didn't think he was listening, and uh, I read it the next year, I read it the third year and I read it the fourth year. When we came, four years after reading the quotes, we had been coming many years before, there was an industry there from Germany, a company, there was another factory over there and I started asking the Jew, the guy, because we use one guy now for the last Mm -hmm. 15, and he said, oh, they have discovered uh, uh, Uranium, they've discovered Magnesium, they've discovered Potash and this Jewish man said in the bus with message believers from all over the world. He said, 15 years ago, Pastor Martin read some words from a man called uh, and then I said, William Brennan he says, I stand in awe how hmm. that the words of William Brenham have come to pass. If you go to the area of the Dead Sea today you cannot count with one hand or two hands the many factories you will run out of toes there are more than 20 companies that are extracting minerals from the land of israel quote fulfilled
0: now this is where it gets interesting there was a time when i attended the communion service at your assembly and i had an opportunity that you washed my feet and you said something very striking. You wanted to start with my right feet. Can you explain to the audience what that was all about?
1: Well, very good question. You are a very observant young man. That's why I like you. Yes, I started with your left foot. And uh, the reason was because any normal human being, the heart is on the left and therefore it runs in, uh, in line with the wedding ring on your left finger uh, because it is believed that the main artery, that goes to the heart is connected to that finger, so starting with your left foot was I'm not only washing your natural feet but may the waters of the word wash your heart
0: Wonderful. Now I I know I'm going off script and becoming very mischievous towards you. Your church, where it is located, I remember some years back, you, you gave a very interesting illustration about what the street name meant and how you came into the church, you come into the first court, the second court, then there is a brazen lover there until you come into the Holy of Holies, which was the pulpit. Can you just give up Uh, a summation of that illustration. Uh, I'm still quite fascinated by it.
1: Quite correct, my brother. When we bought the land to build the church, the streets were not named. Mm. To our surprise, when they were named, we found ourselves at the corner of Liberty and Bush. And I do remember saying, there you go, Saints. You are now under the liberty of Christ with the experience of the burning bush. But then, when we drew up the plans to build the building, we were not thinking of East, West, North, South, not at all. We mm-hmm. were just looking for a place where we could accommodate 500 people at the time. It is this young, young white lady, droughtswoman, who then asked us, what do you want? She didn't say, do you want East, West, North, South? We said, look, you want to have enough parking space, We want to have a baptismal baptismal pool, and I wanted it under the pulpit. It is when the church was fully furnished, built and complete, that to our surprise, we realized that the entrance gate is on the eastern side, meaning the other side of the picture. Then it dawned on me, oh my goodness, when you entered the Old Old Testament tabernacle, you entered from the east. And then I noticed that the lady had moved the baptismal pool from under the pulpit. She made it immediately as you enter from the East. I said, goodness gracious. There you come through the Eastern Gate. You park your car, it's almost like you are, you sacrifice to come to church, there's your altar of sacrifice. And then as you enter, The first thing that meets you is the water, like the brazen labour. Then you come into the sanctuary, you like in the holy place. And then the minister comes from the western side where you're looking from and as he steps into the pulpit, he's coming from the west into a pulpit that's west of the church and he addresses the congregation. We were quite amazed because we hadn't planned it. And then we found a quote, and I'm saying this only to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. The area where the church stands is called the Willows. And we did not know that Brother Benham said, the woman with the blood issue, who had spent her money for 12 years, or 11 years, because she was healed in the 12th, the number of worship. This woman heard, Brother Benham says, that Jesus was going to come to the willows. The boat was going to come into the willows that morning, and something said to her, you go to the willows and meet him there. We were so humble because we had not planned all these things. Over. Hmm.
0: Now, a, a quick one, Pastor George Martin, maybe, I'm and I'm I'm, I'm battling to wrap up because I'm having a good time, but I've got to wrap up. Now, a lot of people don't know that I have taken a baton from you in Weed Bank. Can you just fill them in on that one, list somebody?
1: Thank you, Brother Madiba. In the early days when I was a much younger man, I had a lot of time and energy. It is through this very humble, worthless servant that the message was taken to Middleburg, uh, Nazareth, for that matter, is the name of the area. It then moved to uh, the area of 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 of, of uh, Middleburg, Middle. yes, and then we also reached out to bank, and I do remember, we also then reached out to Mklusi there, and uh, the work of the Lord was established. And uh, there was a time that we even ordained a brother, we thought he was going to take over both Middleburg and Whitbank, because getting older, I didn't have all the time, plus the church in Pretoria was now numbering into the 800s, it needed all my time. And when that brother failed, I thought, oh, God, all that labor has gone down the drain. Now, I do remember seeing you You used to come, sit in the church, and little did I know that you would be, from visiting our church, you would be the minister that would go back and revive what had been planted in Middleburg. And I am so proud of you, and if there's anything I can do to, uh, enable your ministry to be a pillar to your ministry. I will gladly do that. Why? Because Brother Benjamin says, "I'm just laying seed. Men will come after me and make more sense to it." And he said, "Young men like our pastor here, and I'll include Madiba, will sweep this message to the coming of the Lord. I'll be 68 in August. My days are numbered." It's your time to take this baton and run with it, my brother. Run, run, run. God bless you.
0: Now, Elder, before you go, and very, thank you very much for those warm words towards me. I'm quite encouraged and I understand the responsibility that cometh with those words. Now, how many languages? How many languages
1: does my Pastor dear Joshua, brother does Madiba, Pastor, you you have cornered me uh, the lord jesus has enabled me to speak 11 languages and fluently reading and writing and now i am picking up on hebrew so for good evening it's erev 12 and for good night it's Laila 12.
0: and the 11 languages what are those i know hebrew i know Tswana i know zulu uh
1: I'll what put are it those? this way for you, um, I have since found out that the many languages of Southern Africa are linked, they are relatives. So, if you can speak Setswana like I do, you can then speak Sisutu and then you can speak Sipedi, then you've got three in your bag. And mm. if you can speak Zulu, then you can speak Khosa, Siswati, and the belly that we call Mapok Village, mm. you already have seven. Mm. Then you put English, you put Afrikaans, and if you can speak Afrikaans well, you've got German in your bag. Mm. And then that's ten. And then my own mother's language, Sindra Sintrabelo, sagamula, sagamula, khan. Oh, what's what's I'm Ma, begasumeela, sindiriindi.
0: Abu Muratana, abu abu.
1: Yeah. Njama, njama Muratana Mshuti.
0: Okay. By the way, my mother is in the valley from oh, Lesotho. Really?
1: Wow. Yeah. So we are related, you see, through my mother.
0: Great <laughs> <Good laughs> stuff. I
1: didn't know Master this, but Joshua- it's wonderful to know
0: wonderful pastor George Martin I really really now by the way on a lighter note did anyone ever told you that you've got a striking resemblance to Obama
1: I've heard this many times and even when I was traveling through the States they would think that I'm his older brother so maybe we are cousins I don't know
0: Okay, now Pastor George Martin, I really, really appreciate you coming on this session and allowing us to tap into your experience. Now, Brother Branham says it—it is—it's good to give a man a rose while he's still alive. I want to salute you for 46 the six years that you have dedicated to, to this ministry. Many a times I say. If there would ever come a time where the message has got to be defended on national television i do not think of any other better person that can be witty and be articulated to defend the message except george martin i really appreciate you i know there are times as a leader where you may be doing much but you don't feel it's not appreciated but i from my mouth I take it we really really appreciate you we are observing the standard that you have said it is a high standard but we aspire not to disappoint in any way i really appreciate you may god bless you and bless sister Poshia. you guys you look more and more younger and you are beginning to look more alike as you age older
1: <laughs> thank you very much and thank you most kindly you have humbled me shalom
0: god bless you to everybody that is on the stream much appreciated we appreciate you for having waited the devil was against this session but by god's grace we've managed to pull it off god bless you richly Shalom.